Tuesday the 23rd of November 2021 is a day that will ring in my mind for the rest of my life. The very few moments like this that stick in my head. This one was special. And in a few minutes I'm going to tell you why. Hi, my name is Daniel Omara. This is Hear Me Out on Rx Radio. Welcome to the show. And I just want to say it's been one hell of a week. And when I say hell it's not just a reference, I've been there, <laughs> quite literally through the fire. I'm not going to give you a breakdown of the other events that have happened. I just want to focus on this one because I think it's the most pivotal and it's what matters the most. So there I am walking out of the supermarket with my Yuji bottle in hand, right? Going home to have a drink for the night. It had been a stressful couple of weeks, lots of work, filming, shooting, radio, lots of sex. And I just needed to relax a bit and blow off some steam, quite literally. 8 p.m., I get a frantic phone call from someone yelling on the other end, just going crazy. It's a female voice. A friend of mine. Can't give you her name, but let's call her Lynn for now. And she's going wild. She's yelling and telling me about how she's just been in an accident and how she didn't know what to do. She's losing her mind. She didn't know who else to call. And I'm trying to tell her to calm down, and none of it is working, right? She is frantic. And she tells me she had just been in an accident, and she's at a clinic somewhere in Kamwecha, and she's trying to figure out the dynamics of where she is and where she's going next. And before she can finish her statement, a male voice takes over. Turns out it was the border guy she was with. That's when I found out she had been involved in a border-border accident. Right? And they were at a clinic in Kamocha, but she was being transferred to, you know, the Naguru Referral Hospital. So I get on a border. Of course, against my better judgment, because if someone told you they had just been in a border accident, it's really not the smartest thing to do to also jump on a border, but then you're thinking, that can never be me, Right? Uh, Spoiler alert, I didn't get involved in an accident, if that's what you're thinking happened. I make my way to the referral hospital. Of course, first the clinic, then to the referral hospital. Um, I get to the clinic and talk to the nurse, and I ask her if they had brought in a patient who had been involved in a body accident. (laughs) Meanwhile, my UG is still in my hand, right? A whole big bottle. Because I love my drink, and I couldn't go home to drop it off. What did you want me to do? So I get there. Very nice looking nurse, by the way. I cannot believe in my mind something in me still had the nerve to say I would smash. But there I am with this sexy nurse. And I ask her, what's the situation? And she's like, it was bad. It was bad. And in that moment, a cold chill went down my spine. All the way to my butt crack. Also with a bit of sweat. Because I didn't know how to react to this. So... I jump on the same border and head to the referral hospital. I walk in. Picture me with track pants on, a pair of sneakers, a t-shirt. And my specs just walk into a referral hospital holding a bottle of, let's call it sanitizer. And enter the emergency ward with a mask on. 
And there I find my friend, Lynn, soaked in blood with half her face gone. I'm not exaggerating when I say half. The upper part of her left eye quite literally missing. No skin holding it together. Her eye was okay, but everything around her eye was was gone. It was just one giant red patch. And it was so vivid, I could see the scratch marks from the impact with the rod. Because it turns out and there's a giant gash on her forehead. Not too wide, but really deep. So deep, a doctor could reach in and touch her skull. It was bad. But she was alive. Turns out she was on a border when some idiot on another border tried to snatch a bag off her and just pulled her off the bike and she landed on the road on her face. I had to hold her hand through the process of stitching, which, for lack of a better word, was gruesome. I saw a human skull. I watched skin get stitched back together. My wrist hurts because I told her to squeeze for every time she felt pain. And my God, if it is for women are strong. I sat through this. My pants soaked in blood through the procedure because I had to rinse the wound out with water. The doctors did their thing. I watched them inject the wound. I saw them insert a needle so deep into the skin on her forehead. I cringed. And this is not me bragging. I'm not a weak guy. But in that moment, I nearly lost my crap. That's how real it was for me. And they stitched her head back. I watched the doctors put her face back together. For me, it was a traumatic experience seeing all this. Possibly even worse for her because she kept having panic attacks through the course of the night as there the entire time. And I think just the memory of what happened really messed with her. So she'd break out into tears. She handled it like a champ in the beginning. She was laughing. She was cracking jokes. Of course, after the stitching was done and the diclofenac kicked in, they didn't have morphine because I swear if they did, I would have needed some too. Lynn is a soldier. She handled her business. She got stitched. She got her face put back together and then she tried to sleep through the night. I couldn't because of the things I had witnessed. My truck pants and my t-shirt soaked in blood and water from the procedure where I had to hold her to keep her from jumping off the bed. And the doctors there the whole time doing their job. Very calm, by the way. I was almost angry at how calm they were at this whole thing. It literally bothered me a bit. But that's their job. And they did it well. And I just wanted to thank them for doing an amazing job of saving my friend.
and putting her face back together and how calmly they handled it because for me it was a traumatic tuesday evening for them it's life this is their job they didn't flinch they didn't back down they didn't walk away even on strike for better pay and for better treatment from the government of Uganda they stayed true to their cause to the hippocratic oath and i'd like to thank the doctors from naguru refer hospital that night for what they did i'd like to ask the government why the hell would you not pay someone with such a skill set why would you not pay someone with the ability to save a life or bring someone back from the brink of death why would you not pay someone with the ability to sew someone's face back together what is wrong with you as a government why do they have to go on strike before you can do something about it that is my quarrel for today it's here me out with daniel omara i'll be back after the break and we can break this down a little more because i am really pissed off about what they are doing to the doctors because if we don't join this fight you have to understand that at the end of it all it's not the people in power we are going to be the victims why is it that you can't seem to stop listening That's because you're listening to RX Radio. RX Radio. Hear me out, hear me out. Hear me out, hear me out. For those of you who don't know by now, the doctors are on strike. the reason why i chose to tell that story because despite everything going on them putting their tools down for things that they should be given they chose the ones that's with that night chose to stick around to help someone and this is not about me being an entertainer or me being popular or me being in the media or anything like that no they didn't know who she was they didn't know she was affiliated to me I didn't exist in the picture by the time they made this decision. They honored their Hippocratic oath. I'm Daniel Omara. It's here me out. Welcome back to the show and please pardon me for the way I sound today. I'm somewhere in between very angry and extremely emotional because I nearly lost someone I cared for. And it it may not seem all of this, the doctor strike may not seem like a big deal to a lot of us. but it should be because it is what it is and like i said before i cut to the break we need to join the fight for the doctors because if we do not we are the victims there were two doctors in the emergency ward that night and from what i gather there should have been more there should have been more it was two qualified doctors I don't know at the time is medical practitioners I I I don't know it was two qualified doctors and a bunch of med students 
not even interns med students because unlike other fields of expertise medical interns are actually qualified doctors who are done with school right they are just under supervision and gaining experience and the doctors are on strike simply because they want to get paid what they are worth they have issues that need to be looked into that the government has been ignoring since 2017 and the Uganda Medical Association finally resolved and said you know what as of last week we are putting our tools down now i may have issues with doctors putting their tools down but i can't be mad at them i cannot you cannot be qualified to save lives or bring someone back from the brink of death or stitch someone's face back together or just you have knowledge of human anatomy physiology morphology like you you know all these things you spent countless hours in school learning how to save people you have dedicated your life to this and people just can't respect that even i would be mad i'm angry on their behalf because this is messed up you it doesn't take you 4 years to live up to the reforms that were given to you the doctors just want to be respected and paid well how hard is that to deliver how hard can it be it just goes to show how messed up we are as a country like why wouldn't you these are the people saving lives okay they're asking for things like compensation for the risks they took during a pandemic i listened to an interview with the president of the uganda medical association and he was really angry i heard the anger in his voice and it was justified i will not lie to you i wouldn't have been able to do this show if i didn't hear that interview and if i didn't have that experience on tuesday night because now i get it i see what they have to deal with every day i'm traumatized from seeing blood and looking at someone's skull but this is their job this is what they do for a living and we are taking this for granted no this is as messed up as it gets why would you doctors died during covid because the stuff they needed the bare minimum gloves you know masks what weren't available in the hospitals the government isn't providing these things or someone stealing them in between acquisition and provision we lost doctors and the ministry of finance has the nerve to ask where did they contract covid from before we can compensate them they are not being compensated for dying in the line of duty yet we are doing the exact same thing for updf soldiers updf soldiers are compensated before they are buried doctors who died last year haven't had their families compensated yet and we think this is normal I'm not saying soldiers are any less important than doctors. They are all valuable. But at the end of the day, we know who does the killing and we know who does the saving. Can we at least respect their job? Can we give them what they are due? Can we help them? Help us. 
because they, they they can't win this battle alone and i feel like we as ugandans are a bit too quiet for our own good we're a bit too silent for our own good i'm not asking for violence no i'm just asking for voices please speak up because i saw firsthand what our silence is going to do to us we are the ones who are going to lose at the end of it all if we don't stand up and fight for the people who can save our lives we are going to die it may not look like a big deal now you may be mad at the doctors for going on strike and telling them oh you need to honor your hippocratic oath yes but saving lives needs motivation any line of work needs motivation some kind of incentive and it's not like they're asking for special stuff they're just asking for compensation pay them well for the work they do give them the equipment they need which by the way is necessary even for us that they are treating pay the interns well step it up from 750,000 to 2.5 why because you have an intern staying in Kawempe this was an example given by the doctor himself president of the Uganda Medical Association you have an intern staying in Kawempe but has been stationed at Chirudo Hospital that that is like a one hour 15 minute border ride it is a very great distance to cover and you cannot do that every day on a salary of 750,000 to go save lives what's the point of being in the emergency section if you can't get there on time these are the things the doctors are saying we are crippling ourselves the government is crippling us yet weirdly we have supplementary budgets for stuff we don't need it's like we're buying a car for an invisible human being this is like donating a land cruiser to god It's, he has no purpose for it we we don't see him dr- <sighs> i'm sorry i'm a bit frustrated on their behalf but this just goes to show where we stand as a nation what our priorities are clearly we don't care for the people we may think this is about caring for the doctors it's not it's about caring for the people because the doctors are treating us it's us the average guy the average person we are the ones who end up in the referral hospitals because that's where we get our treatment the high level people in government are flown abroad and I would I would have thought covid would have taught them a valuable lesson but no nothing has been learned nothing has been forgotten and even worse nothing is remembered this is where we stand right now and the doctors are fighting this fight alone they've been fighting this fight alone for the last 4 years can we please just join in because this has a lot more to do with us than we want to give it credit for and i'm sorry i'm a comedian but today i'm not being funny about this stuff it's real it is very real the maternal mortality rate is crazy all these things all the deaths all this is happening simply because we are quiet about the things that matter why because it's unrelatable until it happens to you or someone close to you and i've had first hand experience so i am speaking from a place not just of knowledge but of a lot of emotion we need to be a part of this it's here me out with daniel omar i'll be back with more after the break Radio. 
Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Okay. For those of you who still don't get it, it's Hear Me Out with Daniel Amara. If you still don't get why I'm like this today, because I know you're usually used to tuning in on a Saturday morning and hearing me be a lumpen about some random topics, no matter how serious they are. But I'm going to explain. In an interview uh, on the Fat Boy Show with the president of the Uganda Medical Association, uh, Dr. Oledo Samuel Odong, he put forward just a few of the conditions they want the government to, you know, live up to, right? Just a few of the things they want. And it's not much, really. It's not. It's not. It's like seven things, uh, a bit of repetition, to be honest, but it's just things like more doctors, hire more doctors because the reason we don't have a lot of doctors in center fours is because number one they hired very few of them and then secondly they are not paying the few that they hired so you have you know clinics with no doctors or very poorly paid doctors who would rather get a better paying gig elsewhere and run off it's the reason we're suffering all this brain drain right oh you think housemaids going to dubai is a thing my goodness, you should see how many doctors we've lost to other countries. All our talent is leaving. And this is not their fault. People need to survive. Like I said, we may be mad at doctors for rioting, but I don't understand why you'd be angry at someone who's been patient for four years for, for things that they do deserve, right? So we have the whole brain drain issue, doctors leaving, just wanting to be paid better, hiring more doctors, because the more doctors, the ratio right now is unrealistic. There's way fewer doctors than patients, which means they're underpaid and overworked and underappreciated. And the doctor said something very important. He said, right now as we speak, the patients are actually a danger to the doctors. But no one is considering that. The safety of the medical practitioners is not a priority right now. And that's one of the problems they're having. That's why they're going on strike, for example, because they're like, why don't you just consider us? Think about us when you're making these decisions. I mean, it's, it's only fair that you do. Because if we have doctors dying, that means there's fewer people to treat patients. This, I really don't get why the logic is so hard for the government to grasp. <laughs> it's, it's, it's laughable, but not in a funny way. In more of a, I'm laughing because I'm so angry, I don't know how else to react kind of way doesn't make sense at all they're asking for things like better pay for interns which i already talked about earlier i broke that down and remember what i said interns in the medical practice are not students they are qualified people who finish their studies and are just under supervision and gaining experience right so they know exactly what they're doing they're good they're good at what they do they're saving lives I mean, on average, these guys are in school for like seven, ten years, possibly. I don't know, depending on who it is, depending on what level they're at as doctors. So all their friends they started university with in the same position, right, are in better places, making way, way, way more money or doing better in life and just, you know, living their best life, right? Like we have people who end up in civil service, you know, come hang your coat on a chair and disappear from the workplace. Take lunch breaks of four hours. They're not actually saving any lives. These guys are working 24 hours a day to keep people alive. 
and this is the reward we are giving them. They're asking for better living conditions. Better living conditions. Because how you're living kind of dictates how you're going to treat other people when you're living. Last week, we talked about the living conditions of the police, right? The dilapidated establishments that they live in, that even thieves are scared to break into only because those houses are occupied by police. But other than that, there's nothing stopping them from going into that house. There's barely a door. You could walk in. The only problem is you know the guy whose house you're breaking into has an AK-47 and five kids would probably beat you up. So nobody's going to touch the police quarters because they're scared. Doctors don't get the same privilege. They're lifesavers. They're not trained combatants. This is not what they do for a living. They don't fight for a living. They save lives. This is what they're trained for. And they're asking for duty-free cars and stickers. Now, this is a very important one because when, 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 when Dr. Oledo mentioned it, he said people in the judiciary, people in the military, even head of opposition, the Kavaka, all have right of way. All the people I've mentioned above have right of way. This is minus the president, by the way. And we all know these judiciary chaps are never in court on time. Okay, not never. A lot of them. A number of them. We've had incidents of judges not showing up. I don't know. But they're always on the road in a hurry with right of way. Yet the doctor is complaining that the biggest issue for him is the fact that you have an emergency. There's a patient that needs saving. They're in an ambulance being rushed to the hospital. And the ambulance will drive by you and leave you, the doctor, in traffic jam. He called it the golden hour. The time frame within which you could either save or lose a life. Now you're stuck in traffic jam as a doctor. Your patient is in the hospital and you're not there to save them. You have to ditch your car and take a border to go save a person. Yet you studied your whole life for this job. You're dedicated to it. You took an oath. You made a vow to save lives. But everyone else has right of way except you. Yet, if we were to look at it from a ranking perspective, a major general in the Ugandan military comparatively would be the rank of a doctor with a PhD. In essence. But only one of those people has right of way. And why does leader of opposition have right of way? We're not talking about Bobby Wine, by the way. This was for Besige at the time, a couple of years ago. I don't know if it still stands, but it was a thing at some point that leader of opposition had right of way. Why? <laughs> Honestly, it may seem like a dumb question, but yay! What is going on here? Like, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 you guys. Let's be real. Let's be real. Let's be very real about this. Okay, this, this is the part where I now get stupid. Leader of opposition has right of way, but the people saving lives don't. The people starting riots have right of way. The people treating victims from the riots don't. The math doesn't add up. Whatever subject you call it doesn't add up. It doesn't freaking make sense. What are we doing? So when doctors ask for things like this, compensation, and then 
I talked about compensation already. And then things like supplies and basic needs, the things that they need to actually do their job are not available. The drugs, the gloves, the masks. My experience on Tuesday night, I had to go shopping at 9 p.m. I kept getting sent out to go to pharmacies to buy medication that should be in the hospital. Declofenac, syringes, the drip bottle, I don't know what they're called. Tubes, wires, cables. I, I, I don't know what the name is. This is not my field of expertise, but whatever. I had to buy a blanket. A blanket from a canteen in the compound. There are none in the hospital. The basics are lacking. And we think doctors are just throwing a tantrum? No. This is real, you people. This situation be legit. And it's okay. In all fairness, the doctor also said the president was very livid about the fact that these, you know, things that had been promised have not been delivered yet, right? They have not been implemented. And the president was very angry about that. Now, I don't know if it's politics, but the burden of implementation doesn't lie on the president. He gives the directives, which he did. Three times in 2017, then I think again when they met last year, and then recently, as of last week, possibly, or this week. And they've talked about it, but things are just not being implemented. This is where the frustration comes in from. Fine, I'll say Sevo has done his part. This one I'm not going to put on Sevo, but I'm saying as a government, what are the priorities? And when people call Uganda a military state, we are like, wang, 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 twacha. UPDF has a, what do they call it? A classified budget. Ministry of Health doesn't. The allocation of resources is just very imbalanced. And we are the ones who are going to pay for it. We, the citizens. Usually I speak of myself as someone who's not like there, but now I'm realizing I am not that far away from it. Because the average Ugandan is one medical emergency away from poverty. The day you get a disease, you're in hospital for a few days. We've seen what COVID has done. People have been on oxygen for a week and they owe bills of 190-something million. It's wild. So people, please, let's be very careful about this. I haven't even touched people like Dr. Monica <laughs> Musenero, the advisor and epidemiologist and her controversies, which I'm going to get into shortly. But for now, let's try and lighten the mood with some good music, right? Yeah, I don't want to dampen your Saturday morning like that. I'm trying to be nice out here, but I am pissed. I'll be back after the break. Just hear me out. Keep it Rx. Radio. Fun fact. Did you know that according to Dr. Monica Musenero, the advisor, the presidential advisor and consultant on, you know, epidemics and stuff, um, 
according to her, right? Every rat that was used for testing the new vaccine that she is supposed to be creating cost 8 million. Did you know rats could cost that much? I'm Daniel Omar. Welcome back to Hear Me Out. And today I'm on tantrum mode because I do not understand what the hell is going on. So this is a recent saga. A dear doctor, hmm? the, the epidemiologist and advisor to the president, consultant on epidemics and stuff, because I really don't have the time to read out the full title. I just want to get to the part where I quarrel. Said, okay, she was given billions through a company, her company, apparently, that was supposed to create a vaccine, a COVID vaccine, a Ugandan version of it. We all know how that goes. It's the same reason why we can't have nice things in this country. It's the same reason we can't have a nuclear power plant. Because the day we do, someone is going to steal the coolant. Next thing we know, radiation poisoning. And we'll be discussing Uganda in history as that giant hole somewhere in the middle of East Africa. But let me get back to the story. Rats cost 8 million. She said then, stage 7 of the testing of the vaccine. And every rat that has been used in testing the vaccine cost 8 million. Now guys, I'm sick of this. I am sick of it. We had pens that cost 100 million or something like that. We have had people Look, guys. Ah, I I don't know. Like co- corruption is a thing. We all know this. It's it it happens the world over. It's part of the plot. But try try to g- give some respect to the people you're talking to we're not stupid what kind of rats are you buying java's rats is this the kind of rat we found in the smoothie because i don't think the smoothie rat was even worth that much it didn't look that expensive it's a rat i have rats in my neighborhood because my walls are made of i was going to say gravel it's rough cast So rats can climb easily especially in the colder seasons they run indoors for warmth and safety and end up reproducing. I had my incident with a rat called Rodney Ubagu. I named him Rodney or her. No, it was a him. And I named him Rodney because Rodney was a pain in the butt. Came all up in my house and decided to live there for some strange reason, right? Big rat by the way. This guy had nuts for days. Very well endowed mouse. I was almost jealous. <laughs> yeah, for a moment there I looked at him and I'm like if if you went just a rat you could have been a porn star. Huge rat. Had to chase it around, I had to fight it manually. It knew kung fu, it held a stick. This thing was the neo of rats. It was like the matrix all over again. I had to fight a rat physically to put a point across, right? Big rat. In the end, The best we could do was come to a compromise and say okay fine you can have a certain section of the house but don't bring your kids in here. That's the least we could agree on. Imagine I had to make a compromise with a rat. Big big rat. We usually don't me- measure rats in feet but I'd say this one was about half a foot or slightly or a foot. Yeah this, this rat on average may be taller than MC cats. I don't know. But okay if, if we are counting the tail If cats had a tail he would be taller but this rat oh this rat was gifted man I, so if we are measuring its height we have to count the length of the mouse the length of the tail and then the size of its nuts because wow this guy clearly hasn't reproduced in a while or if he has then he's on a marathon because damn it the rat was big 
and it had to end in a compromise. But big as that rat was, I don't think that rat was worth 8 million. No. <laughs> I do not think that rat was worth 8 million. I I don't think each rat would cost 8 million. Yes, I don't know how much rats cost in the medical world like the ones they use for testing and stuff. I've been mean, usually they're white rats, but 8 million per rat? This is you trying to justify the budget? Money that could have gone to more important things. I mean, what happened to Covidex? At some point we had some sort of cure that was working, right? In a way of sorts. Fine. Yes, we need a vaccine, but yay! If this is what we have to go through to get it then. Damn it, I think we might as well rely on natural immunity because wow. Rats don't cost that much. And I'm from the north. We hunt these guys. So I kind of know what a rat is worth, especially depending on how much you chase it. So it's things like this that throw me off. When someone like this who's buying rats worth 8 million for testing comes up and says in questioning that I only answer to the president, none of you has the right to question me. This is the world we built. And to be fair, the president came out and defended and now this is where I have issues. Sevo what? Why? Why are we letting people like this get away with things like this? Why? These are the things that should be stopped. This is this is what's costing us as a country. The craziness. If we could justify what kind of rats we are getting, right? Like they wear suits, they wear they rock Versace perfumes. You know, they need to comb hair, they're blonde with blue eyes or something. Cuz I don't think we only use white rats in testing. I think a rat is a rat as long as it's, you know, raised in a lab and taken good care of. And these things reproduce really fast. And they don't need a lot. Let's get a male and a female and put them together. Let them smash you will be surprised what will come out. My goodness, tens, even hundreds of them. Randomly, the only people who can compete is rabbits. Actually, if anything, I think you would use rabbits for tests. But this is where we are right now. These are the things that irk me. These are the things that throw me off balance. That people like this are getting away with stuff like this. Meanwhile, the people who are actually trying to save lives. I'm not disregarding this doctor's role in trying to create a vaccine. I'm saying the budget is way inflated. Now, if people like this can be given a budget upfront, right? Created for them, for them to secure a vaccine. Why are we not taking the same initiative? Why don't we have the same sense of urgency when it comes to the doctors in the field? What is so hard about that? Why is the Ministry of Finance so reluctant? Is they are saying, "Hey, yeah, we will we don't have the budgets, we don't have the money, but we are procuring new cars for people. We don't have the budget, we don't have the money, but we are creating new jobs for randoms. We don't have the budget, we don't have the money, but MPs are always advocating for a salary raise, new allowances, new cars. Like I said, it shows you the priority of where we stand as people, as a nation. The safety of the citizen is the last priority on the list. Power is priority number 1. And when I say these things, yeah, some people are going to inbox me and say you're paranoid. No, you've seen it yourselves. It is what it is and take it for what it is. Because this is the reality of the situation we're in. And I keep saying if we don't speak up as citizens, if we don't fight for this alongside the doctors, 
And I don't just mean the doctors. I would actually advocate for us to fight even for the police to be paid better. Yes. I don't like what they're doing, but they're taking orders. And the frustration they're putting out on us is from the lifestyles they're living, from the neglect, from the housing they have, from the things they wish they had that they can't get because they're not being paid enough to, and yet they can't ignore the orders they're given. So when they get a chance to take their frustration out of someone on someone, guess who it's going to be? You, the citizen. So we should be the ones advocating for these people to get paid better. The police, the doctors, possibly even the military. The low-ranking ones, of course. The guys upstairs are doing very, very well. But that's where we stand. But anyway, maybe it's just me. I'm going to go home and fight with my rat, sort my stuff out with Rodney, who costs $8 million, apparently. That guy is a size 43 shoe wearer, by the way. I don't know if these are the same rats we're talking about, but lab rats are usually smaller. But maybe that just, that's just my experience and I don't have enough knowledge in this field or expertise to actually have an opinion on how much a rat would cost. That is if we are discussing the actual mice that are used in labs. But there's another rat we could be talking about because that one actually cost $8 million, depending on what kind of chick you're pursuing. But that's just me. It's hear me out with Daniel O'Mara. Be back after the break. Keep it RX. RX Radio. Hear me out, hear me out. Hear me out, hear me out. Hi. Welcome back to the show. Daniel O'Mara here. Hear me out. RX Radio. Mm, trying to be upbeat despite the depressing situation. Here's what I find amusing about this whole thing, right? Um, the fact that the people who really matter are the ones who are not being paid people in the education system, people in charge of teaching, the people in charge of security, basically the doctors, the teachers and the police are the least paid people, yet we as a country essentially survive on these three fields, right? It's not to say the leaders are not important, but I have never seen a politician perform a heart surgery, so I'm sorry. Most of these politicians were taught by teachers, but very few of them are actual teachers. If anything, they now throw around big words to sound important and intelligent, but, well, their actions prove otherwise. I'm not generalizing. I'm just saying there's quite a number of them because I think we have too many unnecessary people being paid in this country. But because they're in a position where they need to be paid because the priority is to stay in power, and not actually... According to the hierarchy of needs, this is what I've come to realize. The citizen is at the bottom of the list. Okay? The power play is at the top. In between, I really don't know. I can't uh, draw a proper pyramid and tell you this is what matters more. Because me, I know when I go shopping, condoms are like at the top of the list. Why? Because I'm not ready for kids and my pull-out game on round one is not that good. So I know. So right now, the way we are looking at it in Uganda, it's like the condom is the protection of those in power. That's their priority. That's why most of the money is going to the military with their classified budgets and stuff. A very good military, by the way. UPDF is one of the best in Africa, from what I gather, from what I've been told. 
and more props to them kudos to them for going and resolving issues in other countries but can we also first look out for the people who are supposed to resolve the issues in our country because we are losing amazing doctors to other nations the brain drain is real why can't we just pay these people why are we giving attention and a lot of money to people like full figure butcherman who have never made an effort to even save a life bebe cool now you will pardon me for dragging bebe cool into this he is not the problem right now okay i in all fairness he's not the issue he is a representation of what the problem is why do i say this with all due respect the man has built a brand to get to a point whereby he can earn the rank of presidential advisor fine i will give him that i don't know exactly the advice is giving but you know that's his thing but from what i gather he he doesn't have to work for a meeting with the president you know he walks into state house he plays soccer in the in the compound of state house you find him there kicking around the ball apparently like that's how chill he is he makes appointments with the president on arrival walks in and asks for the president's attention that's how much access bebe cool has and more power to him kudos takes a lot for you to get there and as an entertainer i think he has hit a very high point in his career good for him as a man he has a family to take care of so of course all this power is a good thing when it comes to him being able to defend protect and provide for his loved ones kudos to him but why can he get access to a meeting on arrival but the doctors have to wait months to meet the president you see why i'm saying we have a problem with our priorities that's my issue because only one of those two people could save a life and i don't know how many lives baby cool has saved to be honest with you i don't i don't know if he has performed a surgery i don't know if he has stitched a face back together i don't know if he has ever delivered a baby maybe zwenas but i don't think he's trained for that he's good at what he does making music and respect to him he's a very talented artist i don't know about how good he is as a presidential advisor and i'm not trying to compare the two and say you know he doesn't deserve the attention he gets i'm saying the doctors deserve the same amount of attention listen to them because only one of those can do what they do only one of those can save a life so i don't understand why the people who can actually save lives have to struggle for the attention of the government it doesn't make sense it doesn't this is why we're wilding out this this is why this whole saga is happening the hierarchy of needs is completely upside down and it's just it just goes to show you who matters and it's not you the citizen and the sooner you realize that the scarier it will be i'm not trying to scare you into acting i'm just telling you you need to non violently of course i'm not trying to incite people to start something chaotic no no don't get me wrong don't misquote me i'm not saying you need to jump out grab sticks and go start beating up government no no i'm not suggesting anything violent i'm just saying let your voice be heard alongside that of the doctors and the teachers and the police because at the end of it all you need to think when these people are frustrated who is that frustration going to be taken out on it's not the higher ups 
Why is police and the military so aggressive towards the citizens? We are the only people they can take their frustration out on. Why are the teachers so violent in schools? Why is corporal punishment still a thing? Because they can beat your kids and your kids can't fight back, but they can't go cane a politician who's actually been chewing their salary or paying them less. These are the things you need to consider. So the longer you keep quiet, the more you're going to suffer because you don't think it's your problem until you're actually the one in that position. Let your voice be heard now, people, because one day you won't have the power to speak. On an operating table, you may not even have an opinion. And it's important that you understand that because one day you won't be able to talk. And then you'll realize you had the chance and you didn't take it. So this is your opportunity. Speak up. The doctors just want to be heard. And I sit here to represent them. So hear me out. It's RX Radio. Be back in a bit. Hear me out. Hear me out. Ladies and gentlemen, RX Radio. Radio. Hear me out, hear me out. Hear me out. It's Hear Me Out with Daniel O'Mara. And for those of you who are wondering about the person I spoke about at the beginning of the show, my dear friend who was involved in a body accident that the doctors made a conscious effort to save, which of course is their job, but I do appreciate the urgency with which they treated the issue. In the middle of a strike, she's she's hurting all over. I mean, it was a border accident. Oh, uh, she's okay. She's fine. Half her face is covered in gauze wire, but she's smiling. I mean, you have to respect a person who can smile after an incident like that. After landing on your face on the road, she's recovering. Body aches all over, but she's okay. So yeah. Uh, the people who inboxed me, thank you. I appreciate the concern. I really do. Thank you for the greetings. And I will pass them on respectfully. I would also like to thank the doctors. Specifically, Dr. Sally. Yeah, ironically, he has the same name as Bebe Cool, right? But we know which one of the Sallys is more important in this situation. He did an amazing job. Came through did what had to be done um, what I realized about a lot of these doctors is uh, the only thing that shows you that a doctor is is, is I, I don't know what whether to call it a lab coat okay let's call it a lab coat the lab coat the white one on top the one that tra- the trench coat yeah the lab coat is the only thing that shows they're a doctor but underneath they're wearing vests and track pants <laughs> I mean you have to be comfortable if you're saving lives you can't be dressed corporate underneath that sheer it's only fair but Dr. Sally did an amazing job. I don't remember the name of the other two doctors, but I thank them too. If you're listening in, thank you. And the medical intern called Omara, Omara Andrew something. I don't know who comes up with these name combinations because, I mean, Omara Daniel sounds normal, but Omara Andrew? Omara Emmanuel? There's some names that don't flow. But yes, he was a medical student who did his job. He was there. I had a conversation with him. Uh, past midnight, well into the wee hours, just talking about how, for them, this is this is life. 
like I said, for me it was a traumatic Tuesday evening. For him, it was another day at work. It's not to say they don't get traumatized by these things, because I, I, I need counseling. I saw a human skull. I saw... Uh, look, I saw half a face scraped off by tarmac. You don't just walk away from something like that. Normal and okay. I need counseling. I do. I'm not afraid to admit it. I may need a therapist. So if you're out there and you're offering therapy, please, I I need to talk to someone qualified. And I was just thinking, I have a friend called Dr. Jacob Otile, who I check on occasionally because... Every time he loses a patient, he posts on Twitter about how it's affecting him emotionally. And I occasionally check up on him because I know, even with all the training, there's a lot of guilt that comes with being responsible for someone's life and failing. It's a lot to take on. It weighs heavy on your heart. And yet, the irony is it's usually really not their fault. It's usually not the fault of the doctors. They're also working with what they've been given. I mean, how are you supposed to save a life if the supplies needed to save the person are not available? Then what do you do? There's really not much that can be done. And the doctors always try to be modest and say, well, all we can do is, you know, give them the drugs and do what we can, but it's actually God who does his job. Yes, I appreciate the modesty, but you are there for a reason. God works through people. Right now, as doctors, you are those people. We need you. And I just want to say thank you. I personally do not take what you do for granted. If you're listening in as a doctor, I just want you to know you're as important as you're supposed to feel. You're doing your job. And I thank you for it. And for those of you listening in, I just want you to be appreciative of what the doctors do for us. The lives they've saved, the people they've helped. And the best way we can thank them is by standing with them in this time. Please don't be silent. Please. This is my plea to you. I say this with tearful eyes and a cracking voice because this is highly emotional for me. It is personal. I'm not going to pretend. It is personal. This is a call to duty. We have to do our part as citizens for the people who protect and treat us and nurture us back to health. But who protects them? Who speaks for them? Who helps them? This is exactly why we can't afford to be silent. It's our chance to make a difference, not just for the doctors, for ourselves as well, because the trickle-down effect is real. At the end of it all, it comes down to us, the citizens. And if the government can't pay the people who are meant to treat us, then it means we are not a priority and this is going to be on us at the end of it all. And 
I don't want you to wake up very late in your life or on your deathbed and realize you could have lived longer but you chose to be quiet about what was needed to save your own life. That is a very absurd death. That is a crappy place to be before you leave this earth. It's not a peaceful way to go. So please, thank the doctors by doing your part. Speak out. Government, thank the doctors by acting on the presidential directives. Give them what they need to save their lives. Pay them better. Improve the situation for them. You would be improving the situation for a lot of people in this country. Hear them out. I'm Daniel Omara. Thanks for tuning in to this highly emotional episode. Branch Talk is coming up next with Olive. Keep it RX for all your greatest shows and amazing music. Enjoy your weekend.